Megan, I have been using our sponsor Element, that's L-M-N-T, to boost my hydration for over a month now, and I'm really loving it. I'm just not very good at drinking plain water, and I love the taste when I pop one of these little packets, I like orange or grapefruit, into a big bottle of water. It's kind of fruity and salty, and it just helps me hydrate better overall. Element is a zero-sugar electrolyte drink mix born from the growing body of research that shows the best health outcomes occur with higher sodium levels. Each little pack delivers a significant dose of electrolytes, but minus sugar, artificial colors, and other iffy ingredients. Element's flavors are so unique, like fruity watermelon salt and spicy sweet mango chili. And we're going to set our listeners up with a variety pack so you can find your favorite. Right. You can receive a free Element sample pack containing eight flavors with any drink mix purchase when you purchase through our custom link, drinkelement.com slash momhour. That's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T slash momhour. This offer is available exclusively through our partnership and is available for both new and returning customers. And if you're an Element Insider, you'll have first access to Element Sparkling, a bold can of sparkling electrolyte water. Again, it's drinklmnt.com slash momhour. Hi, I'm Sarah. And I'm Megan. We're two moms with eight kids between us, from little to grown. We're in different areas of the country and in different stages of life. But we both know that motherhood's a lot easier when real moms share tips and encouragement. And remind you that it's really all going to be okay. We're not experts. We're parents who've been there. We're not perfect. We're real. Welcome to the Mom Hour. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 204 of the Mom Hour. I am Sarah Powers here, as always, with Megan Francis. Hey, Megan. Hey, Sarah. We're getting outside today, figuratively. The funny thing is I'm not getting outside today because (laughs) this is like the cruddiest day that we've had all week. But well, well, it is. So here's the thing. We're talking today about getting outside with your kids. Why bother? First of all, (laughs) like why? Why it's important, some obstacles and then what kind of fun tips and fun things we've done with our kids outside over the years. And, you know, this is kind of seasonal because, Megan, where you are, you've been texting me all week like, oh, my gosh, it's over 50. Goodbye. I can't work. I have to go outside. (laughs) And I really feel like this pressure, like I watch on my phone as the temperature, <laughs> you know, how it goes with the hour by hour. And I have like identified the highest temperature of the day. And then I have to and like the sunniest part of the day. And I have to have a walk during that part. It's like fever. Drop everything and get out. Drop everything. And, and get of out, course, yes. where I, I live in the land of perpetual good weather. So it's a little different over here. But if you're listening to this and it's November or February, I think today's conversation, even though it was inspired by some seasonal spring weather you're having in Michigan, um, we're going to talk about this all year round. And both you and I have lived in places where it's prohibitively hot or cold for a good Mm -hmm. chunk of the year with little tiny kids who need to get out. So um, we're inspired by spring, but this is not spring specific whenever you're listening. Um, there's a chance to get outside. And I hope we kind of take the pressure off as we like to try to do. Yeah. Um, so that this isn't something that feels like uh, I've got to, you know, to be a good mom, I have to fill in the blank, like go on an yeah. outdoorsy picnic every spring. You don't have to do right. that if you don't want <laughs> nope, to. You don't have to do that. <laughs> we get into it. Yeah. So I guess like this first half of the show, I'm kind of loosely calling like, why bother? <laughs> why bother <laughs> trying to get our kids outside? Because we know that there are logistics and mess and stuff involved and all of that. Um, So Megan, I thought we could just start by talking about, forget the kids for a second. What kind of like an outdoor person are you? Are you someone who naturally likes to be outdoors? 
And what are your favorite ways to be outside? Just Megan, not Megan. Just and Megan, kids. which is a very different thing. Right. So um, I love to be outdoors. However, I will say the amount of effort it sometimes takes to put on my shoes, open the door and walk outside <laughs> does not feel commensurate with how much I like it. And like, uh-huh. it, I really like it, but it's like hard to make it happen sometimes, which is kind of silly. Um, I like leisurely outdoor activities. Like I like lounging in a chair, reading mm-hmm. outside. I like eating outside. I like chatting with my friends outside. I like walking. I really love to walk. I love to kayak. Um, I like to walk in the woods. You know, I always love how, um, Everything's called hiking now and hiking is just walking. (laughs) It's just walking. (laughs) But I, yeah. So those kinds of activities, I like to be kind of surrounded by wildlife and I like to look at trees and I like to, but I don't, I'm not like a strenuous outside. Not, I'm not like, I'm never going to climb the side of a mountain or rappel or anything like that. It's funny that you say that because when I, the one time I've been to your town, obviously listeners, you know, we meet up several times a year for in other places, but the one, or I guess two times now I've been to your town, you took me kayaking. And I would say like, there was significant effort involved in getting out on the lake. Like it wasn't, you, you meant to do it. Like we loaded up your kayak. We went and borrowed another kayak. It was raining. So I think you're selling yourself a little short. Like we went to more effort than I probably would have. Well, it's beautiful. It's become see, like last year, kayaking was my thing. So like I decided I was going to be out on the water several times a week, you know, no matter what. And that I think we'll get into this a little bit more later. But for me, the routine and Mm -hmm. like the creating Mm -hmm. the habit and deciding like the mindset is always the thing that gets um, in my way. And I'm also kind of a baby about things like I don't like temperature extremes. I don't no, like me neither. temperature swings. If I miss the boat on when the weather starts to get like hot, I sometimes almost have to like reconvince myself that I like to be outside because if I, if I'm like not outside, you know, like that transitional time. Mm-hmm. So there's like right now it's still kind of chilly, but pretty soon it's going to be like 60 all the time. If I, for some reason was like indoors a lot during that 60 to 70, and then suddenly now it's in the high seventies, I'll experience that as something to almost like be a deterrent to go yeah. outside. The fact that the last time I remember going outside, it was like 58. Now it's 78. You're like, to this me, is too like, different. Yes. It's like, I have to get used to it. So, I mean, there's a lot of things that I, I don't love bugs. I don't love the smell of bug spray. I, I do, like all those things I can be kind of a baby about. So I just find that like planning and getting in the mindset is super important for me. So I love it, but it's not always easy for me to do. Yeah. I think I I have a lot of similarities to you. I, I'm an indoor cat. That's what I call myself. You know, there's indoor cats, outdoor cats, indoor, outdoor cats. Are you one of those indoor cats that like sits by the front door and looks at birds and, and looks like you want to be outside? Yeah. Yeah. I like the (laughs) idea of outside. So, I mean, I'm just admitting that my natural inclination is to be in a climate controlled indoor environment. I'm a homebody. The things I like to do are indoors. So having said that, we're going to have a whole episode about why we want to get outside with our kids. So I do, but I'm just acknowledging it's not my nature. Um, My favorite ways to be outdoors are in the morning when it's cool. I do love to walk in nature just like you. Um, And I don't like to be too far from home. Like things like camping and backpacking as kind of an anxious person, I just, it's like outside my comfort level. Now I know you can you can stretch yourself in those areas, but I'm happy to go on a walk or a hike or to the beach. I kind of like to know when my next warm shower or sweatshirt or mm. full meal is going to be. So I've never strayed very hard, 
far from the comforts of home. Um, I do love seasonal changes. And my theory is because I grew up in a place where it's literally 68 to 72 all year round. <laughs> like it could not yeah. have fewer seasonal changes where I grew up. Um, so I've always kind of been like a, like a kid about the first leaf change or the first snow. Mm. And so I do love to be outside when you can notice nature changing. So that's, that's always fun for me. Um, and I think I've inspired that with the kids. You know, I think that's one way we love to experience nature is noticing differences or changes. But like you said, that can also come with like temperature extremes. And right. Like yeah. That. So, yeah. Um, well, let's talk about when our kids were really little. We get in our time machine. We go back in time when we had babies, toddlers and preschoolers. Did, is this something you thought about? Is it something that happened naturally? Did you kind of follow your kids lead or just the season of where you live? Talk to me yeah. about like when you were a newer mom, what was <laughs> not the logistics of it, but what was your kind of philosophy? How did you think about being outside with kids? So what's funny is in a lot of ways, even though logistically it was more difficult, it was easier for me to be in the mindset of getting my kids outside when they were little. Um, first of all, like they were portable, right? So <laughs> I'm a fast walker and taking anything besides a very deliberately leisurely stroll around like the block, one block with a five-year-old is torture. If you're a fast walker and you like to get places when you go outside, walking with a kid who's just out of a stroller is an exercise in patience building. Yes which is also frustration, yeah. right? It's torture sometimes. So I remember having to really shift my mindset. Like I am going outside and it's not because I'm going to get an exercise walk. Right. It's because I'm going to stroll around the block with my five-year-old and let them look at every um, flower and anthill, you know, but mm -hmm. that took me a little time to get that. So I always thought it was easier, the littler they were almost the easier it was. I also felt a lot of responsibility for their time in nature back then. And also they're like, they're large motor skill development. So like I thought to myself, this is something as a mom, I do, I go to the playground or I do this or that. It gets muddier the older they get because so you're not really I'm, in charge of that. I'm interrupting, but just to clarify. So it really yeah. was like you had decided that this was like a, a thing that you wanted to yeah. do as a mom was to make sure they well, had this kind of gross motor development and outside play. I'm just curious. And they weren't, and they weren't in school yet. So yeah. like who else was going to do it? Yeah. I was with them all day long. They didn't go to school or daycare. So if if I didn't take them to the playground, nobody right. else was going to do it. So I just saw it as more of like part of my job. Mm -hmm. And now that feels a lot more nebulous to me. Mm -hmm. um, they didn't have anything to say about it back then either. It was right. like, okay, kids, we're going to the beach. And they'd be like, okay. I mean, right. what were they going to say? No, <laughs> <laughs> they didn't have a, they didn't have an opinion and B, everything sounded fun to them. Yeah. Um, and that definitely changes the older that they get. And then back then it was also really easy to, for me to identify like a reason or like a destination. So mm -hmm. You had like your choice, you know, you got some hiking trails, you've got a park, you've got a different park, you've got the beach, whatever your four or five things are that you can typically fit in on a Monday afternoon at three o'clock or whatever time you're going out. It's just easy to figure out what to do and where to go. Yeah, it was obvious. And that has also gotten trickier the yeah. older they've gotten. So I would just say like it definitely happened when they were little. I think it happened I think it was actually more organized and more deliberate when they were little than it is now. And I'm bummed about that. And I kind of want to figure that out. Interesting. Yeah. I have, I have a lot to think about in this too, because it's, it is, it does change so much as they get older. Um, I don't actually remember having it be a priority for me when my kids were really little to get outside. I think, I think I think about that more now than I did then that said, we were cooped up inside for many months living in Arizona. So we were inside almost completely from May through yeah. October. I mean, we'd get out a little bit in October. 
Um, and so when the weather got cooler, we just naturally wanted to get outside. Yeah. But I don't think I thought about it from like a parenting perspective. Um, I just, I, I do remember wanting, you know, really wanting it to be okay for them to just get dirty and play in the mud and have that kind of free play experience. But to me, that was more of an extension of unstructured play, um, which was something that was kind of philosophically important to me. And it was less about being outside and more about just kind of following their interests and their interests happen to be mud. So I, I just yeah. have this mental image of them kind of in the muddy grass in the spring, right outside our patio door. I mean, they didn't go very far and kind of thinking like, Oh, this is good. I want to be the mom who lets my kids go get messy in the mud. But beyond that, it wasn't a huge priority. We didn't do a lot of like, let's go, you know, run the nature preserve or go do this. I do think about it more now. And part of that is I live in a place where you can at least do it year round, which is great. Um, but yeah, I, I, I didn't, it wasn't like a huge priority priority to me. And I look back and think like, I guess we got outside enough, but it wasn't something I was thinking about all the time. Well, I think for you, there's two things happening because you have, except for when you were in Arizona, because you've been used to living in places where it's kind of always nice yeah, or the weather doesn't change very much. It's, there's a lot less novelty to it. Um, mm -hmm. here that the swings, like you've made a comment before, like, how different it is when you live in a place where when it's nice, everyone has to take advantage of it. Yeah. Like we got like three yeah. months and if you don't get in all the kayaking, beach trips, golfing, whatever it is you're into, if you don't get that all in, in three months, like it's, you really don't have that much uh, wiggle room on either side. I also grew up personally in a place that's even colder than where I live now. Yeah. I grew up in the upper peninsula of Michigan where there was, you know, crazy amounts of snowfall sub zero temperatures all the time. And it was almost like a virtuous thing. Like <laughs> your kids will be tough. They yeah. will go outside. They will put on a snowsuit and go outside. And even if it's cold, it was kind of, and I don't think I walked around preaching it. I just think I internalized it. Yeah. Like this idea that this is what it means to be a kid who grows up in Michigan when it's cold out, you yeah, still, it's your badge of honor. You get dressed and you go outside. And I remember feeling some pressure around that when they were little. And I remember doing this thing where I would go through and anybody who's got, you know, kids under say seven in a cold climate will know what I'm talking about. You're, you bundle them into their stuff and it take you're sweating and hot and it takes forever. And then, you no sooner send them outside than they're knocking on the door, wanting to come back in. And then, you know, a there's going to be snow everywhere. Yeah. I have to get them back out of all this stuff. Yeah. I might have to go outside and I don't want to do that. It's cold out. Like they're all, and then, you know, you have to go like make them the cocoa because that's what you do when you come inside yeah. from yeah. the thing your mother forced you to go outside and do that you didn't even want to do. So it was, I remember being, having this whole rigmarole around that for several months in the winter when my kids were little that I don't now. And so that is one thing that's gotten way better. Yeah. Um, but yeah, like, I feel like the seasonal thing does make a big difference I'm, in mindset. I'm sure it does. I'm sure it does. And I think, I do think I have a little bit of like residual guilt that I am such an indoor person. I'm not more outdoorsy with my kids, yeah. but I, I'm just, I don't know, just acknowledging it, I guess. And well, and, and can we also acknowledge that, you know, being outside can mean eating dinner on the patio. Yes. It does not have to mean hiking, totally. <laughs> which I, I, I mean, to me, anytime my kids were out of like the baby backpack, hiking started to become something again, it's like, am I here because I want to be, or because right. I think they have to do this. Right. It's not really fun to hike with a three-year-old. Right. <laughs> unless no. you love walking really slow yeah. and having them fall down every few feet. So <laughs> the tripping over roots and stuff. I mean, some people are probably disagreeing going, it's really fun. And that's great. For me, it was not. Yeah. <laughs> so, no, I, you know, yeah. I hear you. 
Well, let's shift to, I think, some of the really fun things about being outside with kids. And we should say that um, there's really good research about how good being outside is for everybody and adults as well. I mean, brain chemistry wise, like gross motor wise, like you mentioned. So there's so many there's so many reasons why it is good for kids to get outside. And I just thought we could share some of the the positives or the things that we've noticed over the years that kids kind of benefit from. And I can go first if you want. Yeah, go ahead. Um, But my first memory of this is because we were cooped up from May to October, when my babies were little, babies and toddlers, they would gain four or five months of age while you were almost not outside at all. You're like waiting it out. House to car. And during that time, there's so much development. So I remember I would have like an infant, say, who maybe they were just barely sitting up. And then the next time we came outside... Five months later, they were crawling around on the grass and interacting and going, crawling up the playground stuff and going down a slide. And it was like having a new kid in a way or a new kid or a new environment for the same kid. And it was so fun. Like every first thing we did when the weather cooled down was fun because it was a different kid. And that lasts all the way up until they're four or five, because there's, you know, the, those big jumps in development are so much more exaggerated at those ages. I mean, my kids would still be four or five months older, but it just, they don't change quite as much. Um, you know, you'd have a kid who wasn't walking and then they're walking by the time you get yep. outside again. And well, so it's very much like that here. Just yeah. reverse. Yeah. yeah. And I just remember being kind of delighted about that as a mom, you know, like the kid who wasn't talking is now pointing at butterflies and saying butterfly. And it was just like this very cool acknowledgement of how far we'd come in just a short season. And so I don't know. I just think that's the, the seasons of nature and the seasons of kids growing. You just always have yeah. those memories tied together. And to me, I'll, that's a really cool thing. I remember having these conversations with my friends too, when we would all take like our kids to the beach and be the years that we all suffered yeah, and then be like next year, like yes. next year, this kid will be great at the beach or the pool or yes. whatever it is. Like next year, they're not going to like try to drown themselves anymore. Yes. Or next year, they're not going to eat sand or throw it in their brother's oh, the, face or whatever it is. Sand eating. So yeah, like, there's always the sand eating summer at the beach. It's like <laughs> terrible. The diapers are so bizarre. Oh, God. <laughs> so yeah, that, I guess that's just a, something that I have a really fond memory of. Um, I also, one of my favorite things about kind of my kids in nature is watching how mixed age groups of kids play differently yeah. when the only toy, the only medium is dirt, sand, water, what else? Snow. I mean, fill in grass. the blank. Yeah. Grass. Um, a hill, a hill can provide many hours of entertainment. Hours. And if you've got big groups of kids, either like cousin groups or friend groups or play groups or siblings, I mean, the dynamics inside a house are just different. There's power dynamics, there's sharing toys. There's like all this kind of politics that almost, I'm not going to say it disappears. I'm not going to be that, you know, optimistic about it. It doesn't disappear, but it's amazing to watch groups of different age kids from little babies all the way on up, like get into some fort building activity or some roll Mm. down the hill game or some, it's just cool. It's really cool. And the more you observe it, the more you're like, okay, I get it. Like there is something different about this. That's, that's actually bringing to mind, um, you know, the place that we went and had pizza and those enormous beers when you were here Mm -hmm. in St. Joe. So there's a pizza place. It's like inside an old train station and um, it's right. Like, right near there, there's like a, a fountain and also just kind of these like little rolling hills. They're not yeah. really big hills, but just like these little mountains almost. And I remember very clearly when my group of friends, we go there a lot with our kids. And I remember clearly when the oldest in the group, which at that point would have been Will, because I think by this point, Jake and Isaac were kind of doing their own thing. Yeah. And 
was old enough to take all the kids outside. Nice. And the youngest of theirs was old enough to not run away or, you know, whatever. Like they were all kind of old enough to go out in a group together. And so the adults would sit there and have our pizza and beer and watch these kids who ranged in age from five up until 12 Mm -hmm. running and 13, maybe just running and playing like big toddlers. And it, it, there is something really fun about that. They were all playing together. There was nothing else to do. They had right. no options. Like, right. It was either that or sit and listen to us talk. And that didn't sound like fun. So even at a playground, uh, sometimes mixed age group of kids will go off and find something that's not even the play structure. Like, yeah, I mean, the play structures are great, but I, I always think it's so fun when they go off and find like a hill or a hole yes. or something. Um, and just watching that. So that's one of my favorite things. Anything else come yeah. to mind yeah. for you? Well, on the big kid, um, kind of on the big kid thing, I guess like even teenagers who are too cool for school, right? Like Mm -hmm. they will with time, it doesn't always happen right away, but like if they're outside long enough, they will just start to relax and act like big goofy kids. Um, Last year, Jenna and I took her son, Jack, my nephew, and then my William and Owen. So my two younger sons Mm -hmm. on a backpacking trip. We just went for two nights. It was just like a, we like backpacked like a a mile in and then set up camp in these dunes. We were about a hundred yards from the shoreline of Lake Michigan. And it did take the kids like, as you know, we set up camp and that was interesting. And then they were bored. Like yeah. camp was set up. We had <laughs> eaten our first meal with our little <laughs> camp stove thingy. And now that like the look of panic comes across yeah. their face, like now what, like now what do we do? Yeah. We, we've done all the things that there are to do. And, you know, we had them go collect wood and stuff like that. And so they, it took them a little while to relax from not having any screens or even any board games or, or, books even Mm -hmm. like they had nothing and they just turned into like I just have this mental image of William sitting in the shallow water with his legs splayed out like a v splashing Uh in the water like he was a baby it was like he was a six foot baby it was the (laughs) cutest thing they had sand stuck all over their bodies they were doing that thing where like they crawl in the water like up to the shore you know like Uh crawl around on their bellies and stuff and I was like you guys like where have these versions of you been I you you never act like this anymore. And it was like really heartwarming oh, and fun delightful. to watch. That is it was delightful. delightful. I love that so much. Um, okay. So last question before our break, let's talk about what our specific struggles have been um, kind of being the outdoor loving mom that you want to be. We've mentioned a couple, but do you have any yeah. more? Yeah. Well, I will say that when my kids were really little, um, I never had a great backyard for little kids. Mm-hmm. And I'm, I'm sure a lot of listeners are struggling with that as well. Mm-hmm. I just remember that being like a bummer and a struggle because I didn't always want to be outside. I wanted the kind of yard where I could just open the back door mm-hmm. and not open a side door and then walk around and open a fence and let the kids mm-hmm. in. I, I wanted to literally open yeah. a sliding door and have my kids run out and be contained and to be able to kind of come back and forth as they wanted or needed while I was making dinner or whatever. And I never really quite had that. And it was, it was a bummer. So, you know, if you're there, I'm, yeah. I'm with you. Don't, I remember internalizing that almost as guilt. Like mm-hmm. I was, there were times we lived in apartments and we didn't even have our own yard. So like every time I wanted to take the kids out, I had to like make the effort to take them out. Right. And other time, like when we lived on an alley for a while. And so my kids played in the alley and I remember being like, is that weird? Like almost like without without purposely feeling guilty about it, I kind of felt like there was some parenting thing I like let them down on or like didn't do. But, you know, just if you're in that position, there's plenty of ways that your kids are getting access to outside. And if it's an alley or a patio or 
you know, a little plot of grass outside your back door or whatever, or a front yard, like whatever it is, if it's a trip to the park, Mm -hmm. that, that all counts. Yeah. Um, now that they're older, it's, it's the organization and the routine. It's like getting in the mindset of doing it. And if it's not part of my routine, then it gets lost, like work, cleaning up the house. And then at the end of the night, I'm tired, relaxing on the sofa. Like that is hard. And then also because my kids are older, like not every outdoor experience is like a full family fun time. And the teenagers don't always want to do stuff. And I struggle with like how much to force it, how much to let them decide. Um, when I do get a lot of resistance on outdoor play, Mm -hmm. like beach trips and fun things, I find myself assigning a lot of outdoor work. I love that um, so much. <laughs> like picking up dog poop. <laughs> and I do. Without, feel like, I'm sure you don't like explicitly say that to them. No, it's just like I, a no. coincidence. Like, oh, right. well, it's like, well, they need to get outside one way or the other. And so I'll say things like, well, we're going to the beach and you're not going to sit in the house and play video games. So if you don't want to go with me, you can pick up dog poop. Yeah. And so it does serve a purpose. Yeah. And they'll sometimes choose that. And so they're getting the exercise in the fresh air, but it's not exactly building family memories either. So like, I'm just trying to figure out the balance for that. Um, I will admit I tend to do a lot more solo stuff right now because it's just easier to go on a walk by myself or jump in my own kayak than to try to pull it all together for all the kids and then cajole kids who would rather not Mm -hmm. go or going to whine and complain. So, you know, raising kids, older kids is just different from youngers and as soon some things get easier, other things become more complicated. Mm-hmm. And this is just like an extension yeah. of that. Um, it's something that you kind of have to change your mindset around and become more intentional, but in different ways. And yeah. it, it evolves slowly. So I would say it's still evolving. Yeah. Um, it's kind of funny because when my kids were younger, like I remember how crazy it would drive me that the doors were slamming all summer long, like in, out, in, out. And now that never happens. And I have to I kind of miss it. Like I, I love it. You know, I mean, I I am still at the baddie stage, so it's helpful for me to hear. (laughs) Um, So in terms of what I've struggled with, actually, that's like my current struggle, other than just a general feeling of I should get them outside more, but is just this bringing the outside in and the going in and out is I wish it weren't hard for me, but it is. They go out in the backyard, which I want them to do. They'll they'll play potions or something. We don't have a big yes, grass. I remember that. Yeah. We don't have grass actually at all. So what we have is like an enclosed patio. It's not very big, but there are planters and there's dirt and there's leaves and stuff. Um, so they'll play potions, but they're always coming in and getting bowls and spoons from my kitchen. And I like have this internal conflict because I, I love that they're out there playing together. And I so believe in like open-ended, messy, dirty, free play, but can't, can't they just stay out there? Like I sometimes <laughs> seriously lock the door. I'm like, do you have everything you need for this amazing free play that you're doing? Great. Please do not come inside because every yeah. time they come inside. So that's just like a little, a little gripe, but we're heading into summer here and it is, it's, I want them to enjoy being out there and doing that exact thing. So I have to kind of let go of this, I don't know, control freakness about coming yeah. in and out and the dirt and the mess. And then they leave my mixing bowls out there and it's small things, right? In the grand scheme, it's a small thing, but I'm just acknowledging it's a struggle. And then, you know, I really do struggle with kind of the pressure to do more. I live in an area where people are extremely outdoorsy. We just know a lot of families who camp and bike and backpack. And, you know, we go to the beach, we love the beach, but we know families who go to the beach all day, every day, anytime they can. And they surf and they windsurf and they do all these things. And so there, I, I'm not susceptible to a lot of keeping up with the Joneses type of parenting pressure, but this is one area where I really kind of am. I do. I am always thinking 
we just don't do as much as most people. And neither of us, Brian nor I, we both like it, but not enough to really like interrupt our routines. <laughs> like we just, well, you know. But isn't that funny? You you like it, but it's not a priority for you. So yeah. you shouldn't assume it would be a priority for your kids. Either. Right. Well, no, you know and I'm I mean? not even putting that on the kids. Like I'm just right. thinking we as a family should do more than we're doing. And we don't. Oh. So I've struggled with that a little bit. Yeah, I get it. Hey, on the on the thing about um, having all your full, I know this is going to sound super obvious, <laughs> but I remember going through the same thing when my kids were little, little, little er, and actually just having some old stuff that they could keep outside yeah. and a bowl of water. Yeah. Like a big bowl of water or like a jug of water outside and then just a bunch of junky old stuff. Yeah, and stuff. I think we've gone through phases where we have a good like amount of that stuff. And then it like cracks and breaks and gets thrown right. away. So I should do that. And I feel like Violet will always still come in for one more thing that she needs. Yeah. Like it's not the right <laughs> bowl. It's not big enough, but yeah, you're right. right. I could, I could brush up on that for this season. Um, okay. We're going to take a break. And when we come back, we're going to actually offer some t- Megan, the end of the school year and kickoff to summer is a busy time of the year for families, but we can all eat stress-free and hit our wellness goals with ready to eat meals from our sponsor factor. Factor's delicious meals are never frozen and can be ready to eat in just two minutes. You can pick from a weekly menu of 35 options, including popular choices like Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. Plus, they have more than 60 add-ons like breakfast, lunch, snacks, and beverages to keep you fueled all day long. So our team was comparing notes recently on our favorite Factor meals, and Katie loved the herb-crusted chicken with mashed cauliflower and toasted almond green beans. I loved that one, too. And get this, so did her little boy, Charlie. She heated it up for lunch one day, and Charlie, who's three, ate almost all of the green beans. I mean, that's quite an endorsement, right? I was going to say, what a parenting win. (laughs) And I get it, Charlie. Those green beans are crazy good. And if you really want to treat yourself, they even have meals with filet mignon, shrimp, truffle butter, broccolini, and asparagus. Listeners, head to factormeals.com slash momhour50 and use code momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box. That's code momhour5050 at factormeals.com slash momhour50 to get 50% off your first box plus 20% off your next box while your subscription is active. Ah. The comfort of your favorite seat is now your comfy car-selling command center, thanks to Carvana. It doesn't get any better than this. Your favorite seat's the best spot in the house. Make it even better by entering your license plate or VIN and getting a real offer in minutes. There really is no place like home. And speaking of home, Carvana will pick up your car from yours after you finalize your offer. Visit Carvana.com or download the app and sell your car from your comfy place. Um, okay, you ready to give some tips, I'm Megan, ready. About getting outside. Okay, yep. so we have some kind of rapid fire ones and I think we'll just alternate. Um, I can go first since yep. it's first in our outline. Because <laughs> um, if you don't go first, then we're going to be very everything's confused. Everything's off. <laughs> um, okay, so my tip is about my kids age range, which is elementary school. They're still, they still ask to go to the playground, the park, but they are kind of getting bored of it or outgrowing some elements of it. So I have just started bringing something different to the park. Every time we go, it could be a football or a Frisbee. Um, we have a little inexpensive remote controlled drone thing that Reed likes to fly. It could be our sand toys, a kite, um, books. Like you can even bring sort of indoor type toys or activities to a park, a board game to sit at the picnic tables. 
And it's mm. just like having that one extra outside element has brought new life into park visits for us. I mean, for so long, we didn't have to bring anything because it was just the playground equipment. I'm finding now at their ages, it does help to have an attraction yeah. of some sort. So. It makes it feel more special too. Yeah. Um, I definitely, our kids definitely got to that age. You can go to the beach even bring bring a ball or yeah. a frisbee or something like yeah. that. Um, so I'll answer for big kids. Um, with bigger kids, my youngest is 10 and you know my oldest is an adult, but like the three that are with me the most are... 10, 13, and 15. Um, and I just find that middle ground is really hard to find with bigger kids. So we're either doing something big, like we're going on a camping trip for like three or four days or a week, or we're doing something small, like eating dinner in the backyard. It's just really hard to find an afternoon with all three of the younger kids are available and don't have like a social life thing going on or whatever, that they're already busy and that they all want to go. So I guess just embrace the fact that like sometimes with, with um, kids as they get older, you might have to like take little snippets. It could be 15 minutes sitting outside on your porch talking. It could also be you have to check out of your lives for a week to make it happen and both have a place. You might just find that those afternoon outings become much fewer and farther between. It reminds me almost, we talked at some point recently about living far away from extended yeah. family. It was in a listener questions episode. We talked about how whether you're seeing cousins every day and it's a part of your everyday life or you save it all up for big like twice a year family vacations, your kids are still getting those cousin bond right. and cousin memory. And it's not apples to apples. It's not exactly the same, but it's all part of their, it, it's all part of their memory making. And that kind it of reminded counts. me when you were mm -hmm. talking about nature experiences, whether it's a little bit each day in a trickle or like these big experiences, that's, it's all counts. Yep. I like it. Okay. So my tip is that if you are more of an indoor person like me, you don't have to change your whole personality. You don't have to try and become an outdoorsy hiker. And actually, you can bring your indoor activities outside. And so I try and remind myself of this. Um, I will bring my to-do list, my journal, just outside to the backyard. You can bring a book to the beach. You can bring your knitting. You can do your photography outside if you like that listen to a podcast. Like I think sometimes we think I've got to turn into, I've got to transform into this outdoor person where sometimes it's about just taking who we already are and literally putting that person outside. Yeah. And so I guess how this relates to our kids too, is if, if your kids see you doing this and if you have a, a kid who doesn't naturally love to be outside, they will see you doing this and they will get that kind of modeling effect of not everybody has to be a crazy hiker biker. Um, but we can still get outdoors and enjoy the things we enjoy outside. My favorite kind of outdoorsiness is being an indoor person outside. Like, yeah. It is my favorite, like bringing a book or a magazine outside, sitting and having a meal outside, like indoor yeah. things outside to me is like the most fun. Yeah. When I go to the beach, I have like a speaker. Yeah. A cooler with like it. all of my favorite LaCroix. Um, <laughs> I have like a Kindle, like I have a magazines. I've always yeah. got a variety of things that are really outdoor things. It's just more fun to do it someplace else. Yeah. I love that. So I love that. Um, okay. So mine is kind of along the same lines as what I was talking about earlier. It's just divide and conquer. Like not all of your kids are going to be into all the things. And as they get older, they're all going to have a lot going on. Um, and it's fine to have like say biking be a thing you do mostly with one kid and maybe the beach is something you do mostly with another kid yeah. and maybe a third one really just likes to take strolls around the block or sit in the backyard with you like you can really as they get older tailor and you get you get more freedom to kind mm -hmm. of individualize you can really tailor what it is you're doing outside to each of those kids and then get in kind of some quality one-on-one -on -one time as well yeah I think that's such a smart parenting tip in general not just outside but you that is one of the benefits of them getting older is you discover those 
And it's more fun as a mom because you're like, oh, yeah. I really like doing this one thing with this one kid and it doesn't right. have to be this all hands. Yeah, I love that. Well, my next tip is really simple and that is whatever your tolerance for letting kids get dirty is and you get to set that personal boundary and that tolerance, but let them get dirty to the extent that you can handle it. Um, this was just really helpful for me when I was a newer mom and just kind of saw that like, oh my gosh, the onesie and the clothes and the face and the fingernails and they're <laughs> eating the sand. And like we all, I guess everyone is totally different in your comfort level, but I look back really fondly on just how happy my kids were playing in mud. And yeah. I'm glad that I didn't, I just kept, you know, a change of clothes and yeah. I didn't, I, I had mom friends who it did really bother them. Maybe they spent a little bit more money on their kids' clothes or maybe it was a germ thing or whatever. Mm. And so, you know, no judgment anywhere else, but whatever it, whatever your tolerance is, let that be just pushed right up against it because I think it's so good for them and they're so happy and they'll get clean again. They will get clean again. It always happens. Mm -hmm. um, so my next tip would be like to figure out, especially if you live in any kind of neighborhood where kids play with each other. I know this sounds really lame, but like some neighborhoods, you just don't yeah, see no, a lot I know, of kids I know outside exactly playing with yeah. each other. And if you live in the kind of neighborhood where kids other kids can see your kids when they're outside playing or where there's that let's let is like the neighborhood culture that kids are out playing figure out what your policy is going to be on how that's all going to work out and i'm i have played this from both sides of the both ends of the spectrum so um i have definitely had like open door policy like kids can come and go as they please you're welcome to have kids in our yard any old time ask before you bring them in but like it's pretty much okay too as long as i've met their parents right. and their parents know they're here i've also had it where i i've lived in neighborhoods with more annoying kids uh -huh. to be super honest and have had more of like a lockdown where all things are permission based yeah. and ask for everything. The thing is you're going to get into annoying situations either way. Mm -hmm. Like if you're in a situation where permission must always be sought, you are going to end up doing a lot of yes. inter like interacting with other people's parents. There's going to be questions all the time. Like mom can so-and-so play. And then you have to be the one in charge of getting in touch with so-and-so's mom yes. or whatever it is. Or you're going to have neighborhood kids around all the time. Mm -hmm. so you kind of have to pick your poison. Like, I don't really think unless you just hide in your house and put your children in the basement, I don't really think there's any way to avoid that when you live in a neighborhood. Yeah. Like, it's just part of life. It's part of yep. being in a neighborhood. And I finally made a very conscious choice um, when my boys um, were kind of getting to that age and we had a lot of neighborhood kids where I just didn't want to police it. So yeah. they knew kids that were always allowed over. They knew ones that were like, let me talk to the mom first. But basically it was an open door policy. Yeah. And I did have to kind of get used to the door slamming yeah. and the kids in my snack bin and stuff yeah. like that. And I came up with workarounds, but it was in the end actually easier than the other way. Yeah. I, I, this is like, I think we've gotten a couple of listener questions about different neighborhood scenarios and it is tricky. Like as you're talking, mm -hmm. I'm thinking, yeah, neither one of those is perfect. Like it's, no. there are problems that come. And it's very hard to walk a middle ground because yeah. kids want things to be fair. Yeah. And they want things to be kind of consistent. They don't really understand that you don't necessarily want XYZ kid coming over whenever, cause their mom is a little bit weird and might freak out at you. <laughs> right. You know what I mean? Like there's no right. way to like, like let your like clue your kid in. No, on and they don't know that like some snacks in the pantry cost like four ninety nine each <laughs> versus others are right. free for all. Like I mean, there's just there's so many there's so much middle ground. Yes, yeah, and I think too about all of our conversations about independence and helicoptering and a lot of those hot topics, and it's kind of the same thing. Like you can either we have a lot of moms kind of 
you know, put a camp chair or stand out in the driveway because some of the kids are still little and we'll watch them on their skateboards and they're getting up to all kinds of stuff. And you can either decide that you're going to be out there and for either safety or just whatever reason that you want to watch, or you can kind of decide you're going to free range it and hope for the best. But like, it's hard. There are trade-offs either way. Like I have a hard time just coming inside and knowing that there's kids out there on bikes and, you know, in this, there's cars and all that. That's, I'm not quite there yet. At the same time, I don't want to be the mom that's standing in my driveway for two hours at a time because I have other stuff to do. So right, exactly. Oh yeah. That's like, it's tough. It's there's, there's, it's like constantly, you can constantly redefine it. But I just think it helps to kind of mentally tell yourself, what is the story? (laughs) What is the story of the way I am about this? Yeah. You know, it's a good reminder too, of what we always say, like you get to decide like in our family, we like in our Mm -hmm. family, this is the policy and it's great. You can decide it, you can change it. It can evolve. Um, But yeah, that's a good one. Okay. Well, my next tip is another super short one and it's, it's the part two to let your kids get as dirty as you tolerance can possibly allow. And that is to keep an entire set of change of clothes for everyone. If you are a car driving person in the trunk of the car at all times, and that's, that goes well beyond the baby and toddler years. So I just was looking at mine. My kids are six, almost nine and almost 11. And you know, we have, we don't really need changes of clothes very often. It's not like they wet their pants or fall in a puddle very often, but it's still great to have. Um, and a couple of like old beach towels, so yeah. that you can be spontaneous, you can, you know, be, uh, let them roll down the hill and do these crazy things. And you've got to go somewhere else after, and you've got a change of clothes. And I would say the same for cheap flip-flops. I try to have an extra pair of shoes or shoes and socks in the car too. It's not it's a good great, idea. And, and sometimes kids lose shoes. I don't know how they yes, do it. Or mine get in the shoes. car without shoes and we get and somewhere. I do that there. too. Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. So my next tip is like, we kind of touched on this earlier, but just keep it simple. Like don't overthink this so much. We, we get this feeling like we have to crush it. Like like we have to crush every new experience. And every time we take the kids out, it has to be a different park or a different hiking trail, or we have to be doing something we've never done before. And it can literally be, you go, you walk around the same neighborhood over and over and over, and there's always going to be something new. Like the kids will always, and it's actually kind of a good practice because you can say, Oh, remember last time these flowers weren't, weren't budding yet yes. and now or yes. look remember last time that anthill was tiny and now it's huge or whatever it is and there's like something there's really something great about doing the same things over and over and watching the change yeah I just don't think we have to stress ourselves out for, have, for everything to be so novel and magical and big yeah. all the time yeah no I, I love that and I'm actually gonna um, do my tip that's sort of a, a little kid version of that so I'm gonna switch my order here but um, mine is to remember that little kids see quote-unquote nature like everywhere they look like they don't even, you know how we've talked about how going to the zoo with really little kids is hard because they don't, they don't have an appreciation for size and scope. And so the elephant is so far away. Whereas I always tell people to take their kids to PetSmart because you could see lizards up close (laughs) and fish in the tanks and they're so happy. So this is kind of the same thing, like nature to really little kids, they don't need the sweeping canyons or sunsets or like vistas or whatever. They are seeing they're so little, physically little. So their whole physical world, they're looking down at the ground at their shoes and they're noticing, like you said, like a little flower or a little bud of something or a rock or a feather. Um, mm-hmm. So I think I, I think one way to kind of capitalize on that with little kids, not only can you keep it simple and you don't have to go on a big old hike, but you can also kind of cultivate that appreciation. And we like to bring stuff home, you know, bring little treasures home and give them a pretty bowl to put in their room yeah. and they can put their feather and their rocks and their seashells in it. I mean, that, 
that counts because they're, first of all, they've been outside. So check that off the list, mom, you did a good job. But then you're sort of bringing that noticing and that appreciation of nature indoors in a way that is totally age appropriate for a toddler and so easy for you. So you just don't have to, like you said, it doesn't have to be big. You don't have to overthink it, but you can also um, take advantage of the little things they yeah. notice because that is part of nature too. It is part of it. I One of my fa- favorite books on the topic um, is called The Last Child in the Woods written by Richard Louvre. Yes. Um, one of the best books I think that's been written on this topic. But I remember a part that really struck me in the book was where he was saying like, all you have to do to find nature is go outside and look around. It's the edge. It's wherever things get a little wild, uh-huh. like wherever humans haven't manicured yes. <laughs> the life out of it. It's the patch of grass at the edge of the mowed yard yes. where it starts to get wild again. Or it's like the, like you said, the flower popping up through the sidewalk crack, like any place where nature is like winning, yes. <laughs> you know, like where the wild things are, are what doing what they're supposed yes. to do. That is nature. And so it, yeah, the bird in the tree, like it all counts. Do you um, remember the hill behind my house since you've been um, yes. when you brought Clara? So yes. I have this patio. It's, you know, we live, our our, prop, our um, lots are not very big relative to the houses. So the houses are crammed in where I live. The patio is not huge, um, but it's behind a hill. So there's a cinder block wall and then the hill goes pretty steeply up. So the kids can scale the cinder block wall and then they are on this kind of wild hill. And it's as wild, I mean, it's not as wild as we get because we actually have really great other wild spaces but behind my house it's way more wild than the yard and Clara your Clara went up there with my kids and it, it, all kids love to go up there and it's just a few she inches absolutely yeah. loved it yeah that's yes. what kids remember about she felt like she was house. on this crazy adventure yes. like climbing a mountain or something yeah because they do have to yeah. scale the wall and then once they're yeah. up there it's just overgrown brush yep. and um it feels like they're breaking a rule or something yeah and they probably are breaking some homeowners association rule but um that just reminded me when you said it's it doesn't have to be far from what's manicured and orderly it's just right at the edge of it and that's, yeah that's, right at the edge yeah, of it I and then that. it almost makes it that much more novel and unique because yeah. it is right at the edge of it it reminds me of like one of the things that also is in this Louvre book that I remember him pointing out and I hadn't thought about, but when I was a kid, I feel like there were more empty lots. Mm -hmm. And I remember those being a big draw for kids. Like there were just, there would just be this like grassy overgrown wildflower and weed filled Mm -hmm. piece of grass in every town. And either as adults, we don't notice them anymore or Maybe they're not as accessible to kids because yeah, kids and kids like aren't they, yeah. kids aren't out just wandering around. I think yeah. that might be as much of it as the lots yeah. might still be there, but kids aren't just me. Like what a draw that was! Like yeah. lying in the grass, picking dandelions, whatever it was. It was it was a little wilder than what we were used to, yeah. and that made it a draw, and that made it special. Yeah. And, you can find that anyway. I want to read that book. So I actually started that book when my kids were really little and I was in no, I was not in a reading yeah. phase. So now that I read a lot, I want to read that book. I yeah, I, it's a great, I it's started great, it, great but book. I never got very far. One of the few parenting books that I care about yeah. and that I actually go back and read it every now and then. Yeah. Again, just yeah. because I really enjoyed it. We'll link that up. Okay. Where did we leave? Is um, it your turn? Oh yeah. You had skipped ahead, but that's okay. I think I know where I'm going. Okay. So, um, Oh, if your kids are getting older, try to incorporate their need and desire for social status and friend time into your plans. Mm, So like like, no matter what you want to do, it's going to go over better if you bring a buddy Mm -hmm. when, you know, your kids get to a certain age. So just, you know, you don't always have to include other kids, but sometimes being open to that can make something that would have been a big drag really fun. Yeah. Um, And I'm also working on making my backyard really fun this year, which does require as kids get older, like they're not just going to go play outside the way that they did when they were, you know six years old, but they will go out there if there's something to do. 
So I really want when my boys have friends over for the yard to be as big of a draw as the Xbox. So I'm working yeah. on that and making that a goal. I love it. Well, we're going to do an episode, I think, about uh, a more than mom episode in, in a couple Sundays about um, like patio decor and stuff we yeah. want for outside. So that'll be that'll be a fun one. Um, OK, well, my next tip also has to do with, you know, making things fun for those who are not naturally drawn outside. And that is if you have a kid who's grumpy about going outside and that was me as a kid, um, just set them up for success. Like I've realized that Reed is really sensitive to the sun in his eyes. So he needs like a hat and sunglasses he brings a book wherever we go and he'll still like, he'll still, if we go to the beach, he'll still dig sandcastles and run in the waves. But it's almost like he reaches his point and then he does not want to do those things anymore. Yeah. But it's so much more pleasant for all of us if I just know we have an umbrella and he's brought a book or, um, you know, something to draw with or whatever. Yeah. So I think we don't have to write our kids off as like, well, they're not the outdoorsy one. So right. like, but you just, can play to everyone's tolerance level and then no one's punished. Right. Exactly. <laughs> just the point. And right? then they see that yeah. it's not, um, it's not something to dread. It's that they right. can, and I'm the same way. Like I do accommodate for myself if I know that it's some big outdoor thing. Um, you know, I would do the same thing for myself. So I think just have, helping our kids see that there are ways to do that. So. Yeah. Love it. Did um, we make it through all of our tips? I think we did. That was a lot. I'm going to read that book. Um, so yeah, this was really great. We'd love to hear from you guys, how you guys are getting outside with your kids or what other questions and thoughts you have on this topic. Um, and as always, we have a lot of great content this month. So make sure you're subscribed. If you feel like telling a friend about the podcast or sending them your favorite episode, that helps our show so much as do all of your wonderful reviews and ratings, um, in Apple podcasts. We love it. Um, just a couple of reminders before we wrap, we have some new sponsors today. So all of our sponsor info for each episode is at themomhour.com and you just look for the show notes that go with that episode. Um, but in particular, go grab that free chat book, order it for yourself. And the promo code is the mom yes. hour after you get the chat books app. There is no reason not to you guys no, we're giving, you, giving you a free book. And also <laughs> since you're listening to a podcast already, if you're looking for something else to listen to, go check out that podcast in it from understood, um, about learning and attention issues. It's a great one. So that's it, guys. We will talk to you soon. Talk to you soon. The Mom Hour is supported by partners like Erica. Erica is the social media health app for teens that gives them the tools to unplug when they need to for improved health, study focus, sleep, and daily balance. Erica was built by a dad of three boys who saw that teens themselves were really becoming self-aware to the risks of social media, and he wanted to help them self-regulate. Erica works to hide distracting apps from your phone at the touch of a button, keeping them out of sight and out of mind without deleting your data. Tell your teens about Erica and save 20% on the Erica family plan with promo code THEMOMHOUR. Go to erica.app and search for plans. That's Erica with a K, E-R-I-K-A dot A-P-P and use code THEMOMHOUR to save 20%. Hey everyone, Sarah here. Megan and I would absolutely love it if you hit pause right now, right where you're listening and left the mom hour a rating and review. If our show has helped you feel a little more confident as a mom or a little less alone, that's one of the absolute biggest ways you can thank us. And it really takes about 30 seconds. If you're listening in Apple podcasts, just navigate to the mom hours show listing. So not the episode you're listening to right now, but the kind of landing area for our show as a whole, and then scroll down to leave a rating or review. Thank you so much.